I'm Hugh. I'm Linda. Together we're Hinda. And this is Hindacast. So Linda, would you have liked to have been a guest at that dinner party? Hell yeah. Absolutely, of course I would. Really? Absolutely. Flying the wall. Loved the drama. It delivered everything it said it was going to deliver. Oh God, I would have been scared, I think. No, I would have been right down the of it, <laughs> loving it, lapping it up. The first dinner party of the season. And by God, what an episode was delivered up to well, us. Like I say, the, the season only really starts when the dinner parties start. Absolutely. Episode six. Now, it wasn't all dinner party. We got a little of Melissa and Josh and a little of Jesse and Claire before we really got stuck into the dinner party. So let's just have a quick look. At our two problem couples. <laughs> Our two problem couples. Two, two of our problem well, couples. yeah, two of the problem couples, yeah. Um, it was a stilted scene, I thought, between Melissa and Josh, this sort of restaurant scene, and they come to some sort of a compromise, it seems. It it just left me unconvinced. How did it leave you? You know, I know they discussed in the restaurant, discussing the issue of him lying about being intimate with her on their wedding night. Um, both of them looked stupid. Yeah. It was embarrassing but, for both of them. Can we just say, the lying really should be an in inverted commas. This is something that happens all the time on maths. The, the, the question is asked after the wedding night. He wouldn't be the first groom to kind of deny that it happened. Now, he went into a lot of detail to make you believe that he was telling the truth, I have to say. I don't know, Hugh. I think that most of the time with grooms or brides didn't want to discuss it. They, they'd just say, uh, I'm not going to talk about that or I'm too much of a gentleman to discuss that mm. and, and give a wry little smile that'll kind of leave you. Um, with suspicions that they did, but yeah. also a seed of doubt. It all leads us back, though, to where we were in our last podcast when we spoke about uh, Melissa and Josh. And one thing we said was there seems to be zero communication between them. That seems to be their big downfall at the moment. And that's a huge downfall for any yeah. couple. I can't believe that if they if they were intimate, that they went to that extent of being intimate and they went to that level um, that they wouldn't have discussed how they were going to handle it the next day. You know, they obviously knew they were going to be to- asked a question. I mean, every maths bride and groom are asked a question. Um, so it was coming and yet they didn't. The <laughs> well, yes, someone was. Um, and yet they they didn't discuss how they were going to handle it. And again, considering they have such different um, views on sex and sexuality and attitudes to it. I just can't believe that it didn't come up, that they didn't discuss it. Yeah, it seems hard to believe that one side would presume, in the case of Melissa, presume that he was going to say, absolutely, we were intimate. uh, And that he would presume on his side that she would like him say that they weren't. Surely to God he knew. Like, let's leave her to one side. She's a poor judge of character or a poor judge of of people's likely actions. She's poor at picking up on other people, isn't she? Yeah, I think so. We we, we think that, right. Now, so let's let's give her a pass based on that. Surely to God, he at some point said, there's no way she's going to say, no, we didn't sleep together when they did. So surely to God, he thought to himself, well, there's going to be a contradiction here. Did that never occur to him? Obviously not. No. Obviously not. They didn't discuss it. So, no. yeah. So during the, the dinner where they had the discussion and they seemed to put things to bed, you know, in fairness, she said how she felt and he said that he wouldn't make an effort mm. to try and take himself out of his comfort zone. Yeah. He would push himself outside of his comfort zone. That's Absolutely, exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Even though he's a private person. I just, 
I think that conversation was rehashed. Oh, hang on, didn't 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 she also describe herself as a private person? Hello. <laughs> yeah, I know. Two of us nearly fell out of the bed laughing. Yeah, in didn't relation we? to what? <laughs> you no. can't keep your love life and your sex life private. I don't know what you can no, keep private. No, sure we can't even. The fact that we were watching it in bed is just being revealed. Okay, moving on then. I don't know. That just wasn't resolved for me. That really wasn't resolved. We'll we'll see what happens, but I just don't know. It it just was a cringy sort of scene. It just lacked. Depth. Reality or something. I don't know. For reality TV. Claire and Jesse. Jesus, we're going around in circles with these two. Um, so Claire, in fairness to her, decided to take it upon herself to go and visit Jesse one last time before the dinner party because she didn't want to walk in on her own. And I think that she wanted to kind of make sure that it was completely done. Yeah. Or not. To be honest, though, you're looking at it going, yeah, he absolutely should be the one who apologises. She knows that. And yet it's her going to his apartment, knocking politely on the door, being let in, offered a drink. And you're looking at it going, are you out of your mind, woman? Don't be giving this fella any more time. And he does apologise, though. In fairness, he does kind of oh, apologize. disingenuously again. Yeah, yeah. Because he only apologized and then he was saying some stupid like, oh, well, you know, every fiber of my being told me not to go and apologize to you. <laughs> like, what sort of an idiot are you? Because he doesn't chase women. Like, who says that? Like, she was actually holding out an olive branch. She made the attempt to go to his apartment and try and talk it through and find see if there's any common ground between them. At the at the core of it all, you know, is a thing where despite all the advances, women like to be chased and wooed. It's just part and parcel of what goes on. And, and men, men like to chase. Men like to do the chase and we do. Yeah. We do. We do. And and you can try and get away from that all you like, but good luck with that because it always comes back to that. Her heart sank. And then when he rubbed it in with the phrase about, you know, every fibre of my being said not to knock on your door. I was going to go. He just keeps on snubbing her. It just, I have to ask the question, does, is it just Claire that he has an issue with? Or does he have an issue with women in general? Well, that that has been raised on social media, I have to say. I've seen a few comments. Like I just, there's just something about it. It's just, it's, it just is so off. His attitude is so off. He's not giving her a second. Everything that she does is wrong. Yeah. You know, even the fact that she comes to apologise, he still has to demean her and put her down and humiliate her. You know, he just, he can't let go. And I I don't know. I mean, I said from day one that I think he's damaged and I'm going to stand over that. I don't think his behaviour is normal. I, I don't think that he can go from being this, he came across as an extrovert to somebody really cheerful and somebody who's really loud and, you know, he wanted to be the centre of attention, was the centre of attention, funny guy all the time. And then it turns out that he's actually, no, he likes quietness and he likes to have time to himself and he likes to, he doesn't want to be embarrassed and, and all of this thing. And he feels threatened by Claire um, because she is ambitious and she's intelligent and she's loud and vivacious and she is an actual ex- extrovert. Like, Claire delivered exactly what she was going to you. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah. What we've actually seen from Jesse is he does get moments of clarity. A situation happens. He gets a moment of clarity. He got it after the wedding reception. And he said, well, you know, I know she she uh, goes on about the stones and, and the, the crystals and all that kind of thing. But hey, I can't let that stop. She's super hot and she's so good in so many ways. I'm not going to let this get in the way. And he does. Oh, yeah. But within the following morning, she's packing her case and she talks about cute clothes and he's off again. Yeah. 
It seems that like a lot of females. She talks, she talks too loud in, in the bookstore in yeah. the airport and he's off again. He's off again because he, she's talking too loud and people in front mm. of them and people be here behind them in the mm. seats hear them. He's off again. She's too descriptive about, you know, when she's talking on her honeymoon and, you know, mm. oh, the sea, the blue sea and look at the sky. And, yeah. and he's off again. Again, they had a chat on the pontoon that time and it was all meant to be OK. And then. Within a few hours at the dinner table, we were back to square one again because, as you say, he just ridiculed her rat tat tat with the machine gun. So every time he seems to say something, it seems that he's, you know, going to reconcile with her and he's going to he's got a moment of clarity and he's learning about himself and he's making himself a better person. And we're right back to square one. He just he just again. can't help himself. He just uh, and that's why I do like think that he I don't think he's psychologically well enough to be on the show. And I also think that he's damaging Claire. Oh, yeah. You know, no, like, I do. I do accept that. Yeah. She's just been put down every way she turns. She's just been put down and humiliated. And how much should she take? How much should she take? Well, it comes to the cocktail party. And what does she decide to do? She decides to bring him over a drink. Yeah, I know. And she'd gone in and she told all of the girls that, you know, that they were having issues and, and told them what had happened. And they were all on her side. And you're all saying basically what an arsehole he was. Mm. Um, and then what, no she, like, she goes and brings him over. To, why, Claire? Uh, and his reaction, though. His reaction then. Uh, who was Tanny? She was with Lindell. Was it Lindell? Lindell Sorry, yeah, apologies. Lindell, Lindell, yeah. Lindell said, you know, do you want a bit of time? And he kind of looks around and says, no, no, you're good. So embarrassing. And then she still stood there. This isn't by accident. This is a conscious effort to undermine her. Yeah, I agree. It, it it can't be seen for anything else. Because at the same time, you get the quips about Bronte being the enemy. And yeah. he looks at you with those scary eyes. And he talks about the toaster and the bath and being on a date with a toaster. Whatever the line no, was. In fairness, Listen, it's a great I know line. It was inappropriate. I thought it was very funny. Oh, God. Like I did. I kind of laughed when he said line. it, you know. And I think when he's doing those piece to cameras, um, he is actually quite funny. And you're going, you're getting back to the Jesse that we saw originally yeah. and the promos and, you know, the one liners and the banter and, you know, center of attention. And cut to where they're having a conversation where they're asking him questions at the dinner table. And he's, he's like, oh, well, my immediate reaction is just to withdraw and be quiet. Yeah. And I, I, I turn into a statue. Like, is it's he, just is, such a contradiction. Is he auditioning, though? You'd wonder, though. In some parts, he's trying to audition. He obviously wants to be on the show to get more attention because it can't be his career as a marriage celebrant because he screwed that one up rightly. Completely. Yeah, utterly. I mean, yeah. unless you wanted to divorce very, very quickly, you would not have him officiating at your wedding. Again, because he can see how disingenuous he is. You wouldn't believe one word out of his No, mouth. he says one thing and does another. You believe Adam more than him. That's, oh, that's bad. a stretch. Another troubled couple, Harrison and Bronte. Well, initially when they walked into the dinner party, they seemed to walk in. I, I think they walked in together. Um, I did notice that they did separate quite quickly, but Bronte went over to Lyndall mm. and Harrison went over to Cam, the only two people who were in the room. And yeah. they had their individual conversations. They did. And we learned something, though. We learned, you know, the way Cameron can bring up the situation with the, the cystic fibrosis with Lyndall. And I think another few guys had come in at that point. Yeah, so there'd been more guests arriving. And we have stage. to say now, the lads, they acquitted themselves quite well. That situation where he brought up uh, about Lyndall's condition and the, the initial sort of five years life expectancy and the fact that now with, with drug therapy and so on and so forth, that she's going to have a good a good life expectancy. 95% yeah, a good of, of her yeah. lung function is back. He was really on the money. He was caring. He was factual. He was honest. 
he made himself to a certain extent vulnerable, you might say, among the lads. But it was all very well received, I have to it say. It was very well received. And, and the you lads know. did acquit themselves um, in, in in a nice way. Yeah. Um, and they, they took it in. Yeah. Nobody really made a comment about it. They took it in. They kind of digested yeah. it. And in an evening of, you know, drama and cynicism and all that kind of thing uh, and toxicity to a large degree, it was just nice to have that. We, we should mention that. But it didn't last too long. No, it didn't. Uh, Harrison started to tell everybody about the wedding and at first in fairness, he said it was lovely and, mm. um, you know, his bride took took his breath away. And he, he tried to gloss over the fact then that he, the guest at the wedding, Jessica, had proof of text that he'd sent to a girl outside. What we got, though, I think, from Harrison was a rehearsed tale of events. And I think it was rehearsed with Bronte. The two of them were singing pretty much off the same hymn sheet. sheet yeah, and they now were. they vowed to do that, didn't they? They did. They vowed to do that. Well, she was going to stand by her man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Tammy Wynette right there and then. Yeah, she was going to stand by her man. But it, it wasn't going to last long, although it appeared to because he, he delivered that. We got the toast and all appeared well, but there was at least one dissenting voice. I think it was Alyssa initially. Was it Alyssa who was yeah, it was glasses? Alyssa. Well, Alyssa piped up and she piped the glass and she was the one who said, right, we all got to hear my, my friend Bronte looks doesn't look happy. And Harrison piped up and we got that version given to the table. But the thing was, her, as it turns out, it appeared when you saw the big cheers, you thought, oh, he sold it. But he hadn't. And thank he God glossed he hadn't. over it. And I think people were willing to accept it for the sake of just accepting it. Okay, well, yeah. we're cheersing. Okay, so it must be must be buried. And yeah. fair play to Alyssa. She was thinking, no, no, hang on for a second. I'm not having this. There's more to this than meet the eye. Yeah. And she could see then that Bronte was maybe slightly upset. And then Melinda jumps in. And then Melinda jumps in. And the businesswoman, Melinda, jumps in. Actually, can we just go back to Alyssa for a second? Because okay. we didn't mention her and Duncan at all. Oh, yeah. Did I miss something? We didn't mm. see anything really of them on honeymoon. Duncan, Duncan is this season's Olivia so far. In that we're only getting little glimpses. Okay. And I have obviously written to the producers and told them about your infatuation with them. And they have written back to me and they've said, absolutely, I'm dead right. There's lots about Duncan that Linda won't like. She's in Hugh for a fall. jealousy is just such a waste She's of emotion. For a fall. I keep telling you this. She's in for a fall. I'm telling you. I'm telling no, you. do you know, I, I'm, I did kind of see a glimpse of it where he was, um, he couldn't understand what Sandy was saying. He like, pretended to not be able to understand what Sandy was saying. She has an Australian accent. I, I don't get it. Was he hard of hearing? Should he be wearing a hearing aid? Yeah. Or is he a bit dim? Maybe some of our Australian listeners can help us here. Does she have an unusual accent in any way, shape or form? To our ears, she doesn't. The other one I'm hearing that has an unusual accent and people strain for her to hear and understand her a little bit is Claire. People talk about Claire's voice as well. I've read that online and there was a mention of that in the episode. So if listeners can help us there, is there a particular dialect or tone that they have? That's unusual to us. It's just they're all very much Australian accents. We just hear the Australian. So if somebody can help us on that, we'd love to hear. Your and views talking on about it. accent, that brings us back to one of our listeners who sent an email saying that you had such a lovely accent, Hugh. Oh. What don't you call it? The lovely Irish lilt? <laughs> I think your voice is always more attractive than mine, I would have always said. Yeah, you would say she didn't mention my voice at all. She Did mentioned yours. No, no, yeah. Mm. And thank you. Thank you for yeah. everybody who sent in emails. It was actually, it's really, really good to. It's quite enlightening. And, and we love to hear, you know, really your stories about how you listen and how you came across the podcast. 
where you listen to. We've, we, we have listeners in Singapore. We have listeners in Poland. We have listeners in so many different places other than where you'd expect purely Australia or the United States even. Uh, in small towns, you know, downloading all three podcasts that we put out. We're thrilled about that. Enough about us. Back to the action and back to Harrison. Our email address, oh yeah, before we go, before we go back to that, is hindercastreality at gmail.com. Hindercastreality at gmail.com. Hinder, or Hinder, Harrison. <laughs> oh my God. Thank God for editing. Harrison seems to be getting away with it. And then Melinda comes in. Yes. That's where we were before. Melinda, we the astute, assertive, successful businesswoman that she is, was having none of it. Our big question is, was she primed by the producers? Yeah, I think I think that's a definite possibility because yeah. in, in fairness, we did say yesterday that she had limited. We felt that she had limited emotional intelligence or, you know, yeah, limited yeah, emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet she within 24 hours, then she just becomes such a good interrogator. Yeah, interrogator and a good, such a good reader of people. She knew the right questions to she ask. She was very perceptive. I mean, she was extremely she, perceptive. She, she must have had some knowledge of the texts because she seemed to be very specific about them. And she really put them, she put them. She right backed them into a corner. Oh, she yeah. did, yeah. And she brought a hammer down. She went for the kill. She was like, you know, once she sensed, once she, she got the smell of blood, she was in there. Yeah, I, well, I think that's our natural nature anyway. I, I, I wasn't too surprised about that. But just how pointed those questions were. Yeah, it would it would lead lead you to wonder. And he was stuttering and stammering like an idiot. Yeah. And what we saw then when Bronte went back with the girls to have more of a chat, then what we saw then was that that initial toast we we saw. Yeah, there was a lot of glasses raised, but a lot of the glasses were raised in doubt. I'd say I'd say the female cast are split 50 50. Um, there are thereabouts. It's not the Harrison and Bronte show. And it's very, you know, simple to think that everybody is worried, quite frankly, about no, Harrison and Bronte. No, someone didn't care. No. I mean, I don't and, think quite, and do you know cared. something? No, hold I don't on. think Janelle cared. No. And, and do you know something? They'd be dead right. Because how many times in this series and, and previous series, rather, have we said to ourselves, they shouldn't be worrying about other people's drama. Worry about what's going on in their own backyard. I know. But look, it's always it's always much easier to look at other people and kind of pass comment on other people. It's much more difficult to look inwards. Yeah. You know, and look at the mm. problems in your own relationship. It is. And, and acknowledge that there are problems and then tackle those problems head on. But I think the more Bronte listened to Melinda, the more she had to acknowledge, yeah, do you know, she has a point. Yeah, but she doesn't really have a choice. Because and she's I, no horse in the race. I think, to me, what had happened initially was that Harrison and Bronte had decided they would spin a version of this story mm-hmm. because they want to remain in this show. Under normal circumstances, Bronte would be well gone. But she wants to be in this show. And they initially spun that story. And it all seemed to be going very well. And if after that toast, it had been the case, everybody just continued talking about something else. Bronte would have been happy enough and she would have been holding Harrison's hand throughout the whole thing. And it all would have been lovey-dovey. But she can't ignore the logic when the logic was put in front of her, particularly by somebody articulate like Melinda. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Somebody who is completely objective. Yeah. And she Another could, woman. So. And then, like, I mean, Melinda went so far as to say, I believe Jessica. I believe your friend. Yeah. So she was really calling Harrison out. So there was no, absolutely no doubt at all about her what she thought of the whole situation. So and I think then Bronte got a little bit upset and um Tani and Caitlin 
noticed it mm-hmm. and brought her outside for a little chat. Uh, I fair play to, to Caitlin as well. I thought Caitlin kind of really acknowledged the fact that he turned the tables and that he was gaslighting. Yeah, um, she did. Bronte. The gas has uh, well and truly been ignited there, hasn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Well, speaking of gas and lighting, there certainly was gaslighting. John was just outraged, I thought, when the script was flipped by Harrison. In that he was trying to blame Bronte yeah. and everything. And he, yeah, he did. He said something like, um, oh, you need to prove to me that you're in this for the right reasons. And you need to prove to me that you want to go on with this. Yeah. In other words, my actions are a result of you and your behavior. And that's, you know, something absolutely and something that he's done throughout what we've seen in the last few episodes. It's really bad, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I think in fairness, I think the the experts are scratching their head at that stage going, what in the name of God is happening here? Absolutely. Where do we go from here? Alessandra said, I think there's some questionable reasons for Harrison to be here. And that is something I'm very concerned about. I think it's something we're all very concerned about. Absolutely. I really do think that the experts have their work cut out for them. It'll be very interesting to see how we get on at the commitment ceremony at the end of the week. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be on Thursday, Hugh. What do you think? Something like that. Assuming it's Thursday, we sort of are in for two more episodes and then the commitment ceremony. I don't know about you. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I absolutely can't <laughs> wait. And certainly I can see that there's some drama hinted in the next episode. As ever, guys. We look forward to your company for the next one. Keep watching maths. Don't forget to send us an email. Greetings from Ireland. We shall talk to you guys again soon. Bye for now. Bye. Before you go, just a quick request. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. And if you can, pop on a notification. That way you'll know when our podcast drops. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us on indicastreality at gmail.com. Indicastreality at gmail.com.